And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Go, man. Tear it off, dude. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. On to week three, we roll. The 49ers now one and one. They looked really good against the Seahawks. And now the Jimmy Garoppolo era has restarted. I really call this act three of the Jimmy Garoppolo era. Act one was 2017. Then he tore his ACL in 2018. And uh, then it appeared that Trey Lance would be taken over for a longer stretch than he did. But unfortunately, Trey suffered the broken ankle. He's done for the season. Jimmy's going to start on Sunday night football in Denver, the 49ers first primetime game of this 2022 season. And then, you know, everybody was saying, oh, well, they uh, missed Russell Wilson. That's great. Well, (laughs) they didn't really miss Russell Wilson last week against the Seahawks because they get him this week as a member of the Denver Broncos at Mile High Stadium. So uh, this is all the makings of a really good football game. This is one of those games that people actually circled on the calendar in the offseason as the 49ers' first real big test, right? Uh, Denver, since then, has not looked as good as people have thought that they would look. But, Matt, it's a long season. And uh, the 49ers know from experience that anybody associated with Russell Wilson, and especially Russell Wilson himself, can look really bad before looking really good and it can all change in a hurry. And I'm sure that the 49ers are entering Denver thinking a cautionary tale. Yeah, I remember uh, there was a game against, uh, actually a couple against Carson Wentz where he was coming off a, a couple of bad weeks and, you know, the, the storyline in, in Philadelphia and Indianapolis was, oh boy, Carson Wentz is just terrible. He's having a rough season. <laughs> and then he plays the 49ers and he has the, the game of his life. So uh, these guys can catch fire at any point. And th- that's sort of the question uh, going into this one. Uh, obviously, the, the the Broncos offense is finding its feet with a, with a new quarterback, a new head coach, Nathaniel Hackett. Um, uh, he's also the play caller. So uh, there were a lot of things off the first two weeks for them, so much so that uh, the fans were actually barking out, calling out Dennis, the, uh, the, the, the play clock as it was ticking down because uh, so many um, late start uh, you know, uh, uh, penalties in that game. Uh, but you know, they're going to they're gonna catch on. That was uh, Fred Warner's point on Wednesday. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to catch fire at some point. The 49ers can't rely on that. Um, obviously, uh, you probably want to play the Broncos early in the season rather than late in the season, but they still have to be uh, hitting on all cylinders when you're playing Russell Wilson and uh, his, his receivers. Yeah, I mean, you know, if, if you're a 49er player in the last, shoot, I don't know, six, seven, eight years, you know, when you see Russell Wilson, you got to understand, you know, he's been a 49er killer. I mean, he is, he's had some of his best games against the 49ers. So, you know, he goes into Denver, you know, a, a whole new era now at Denver. But uh, Russell Wilson is one of those guys that, you know, we always say it, but he makes everyone around him better because he plays at such a high level. 
And, you know, this 49er defense, they've played, you know, two weeks of, of basic shutout football. Chicago, had, you know, the second half, the penalties. But we saw kind of what they're capable of. Capable of if they play four quarters, should not the Seahawks last week. And, you know, this defense always has trouble with, uh, with the mobile quarterback. And Russell Wilson is, is all of that. And he's always giving them trouble. So if you let Russell Wilson stay in the football game, he's going to, he's going to kind of find a way to win the football game because he is uh, the ultimate competitor. So, the, you know, you, you, you go into this game. I know it's Jimmy Garoppolo. It's, it's the start of a new era again and again. The Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo drama soap opera continues. But uh, you, you, you know on offense what you have to do. But on defense, you know you have to kind of neutralize Russell Wilson because he can make big plays at any time of the football game. Well, there are a lot of reunions in store for the 49ers in this game. Obviously, with Russell Wilson, their longtime nemesis, who, by the way, is 17-4 and all-time against the 49ers. So that's a guy that they've struggled to beat, but that they have beaten them before. It just doesn't happen all too frequently. But uh, as far as reunions with players that used to be on the actual 49ers, uh, they're is DJ Jones on the other side. He's currently fighting through an ankle injury, so we're not 100% sure if he's going to play, but he's quite the run stopper inside. The 49ers are really familiar with DJ's skill set, and those of you watching the game on Sunday, if, if DJ does end up playing, he's wearing number 97 now instead of number 93, and it was funny. I had a laugh with Aaron Banks uh, today in the locker room because we are talking about watching film on DJ. Obviously, Aaron was a rookie last year, and uh, he practiced against D.J. Jones, and everybody's used to the 93, and the 97's throwing him off a little bit watching tape of the Denver Broncos. But uh, regardless of whatever number D.J. is wearing, the 49ers are going to have to find a way to win more battles than they lose against that guy because he could be really, really disruptive with how explosive he is at the line of scrimmage. And then uh, Kwan Williams, former 49ers nickelback, He's now with the Denver Broncos, so the 49ers need to make sure that K1 is accounted for because we do know that he's a really good blitzer. We know that he, you know, the shark blitz that comes from the shark nickname for K1 Williams. He can sneak there into the backfield. He can stop the run. He's a good tackler. So a couple guys that used to wear the red and gold are going to be wearing blue and orange for the Denver Broncos this weekend. And finally, one more reunion, Matt. This one is not a former 49er, but it's a player who very profoundly impacted the 49er season last year. Randy Gregory, edge rusher, remember on the Cowboys? He hurt Jimmy Garoppolo's shoulder in the divisional playoffs. He is now with the Denver Broncos. 49ers have to find a way to block Randy Gregory, who's also dealing with an injury issue this week. So we'll see who plays and who doesn't. But it's a lot of players who have had some recent history with the 49ers who are going to be squaring off against them on Sunday. Yeah, and they're going to look up and they're going to see uh, their their head coach's last name up there in the Ring of Honor in, in Denver. It's not uh, Kyle Shanahan. It's Mike Shanahan. But uh, it's a homecoming for, for Kyle. That's uh, He's a guy that... Coach's son grew up in a lot of different areas, California, um, you know, Denver, uh, but he considers Denver his home. That's where he went to uh, high school, and that's where the, the Broncos won that won that Super Bowl. And he, he said he told the uh, the Denver area media today that that's that's the greatest day of his life. Um, you know, uh, up there with the birth of his children, uh, as far as uh, that uh, that magical season that they had. Um, yeah, uh, you mentioned Randy Gregory. He's one of several guys 
Um, Jerry Judy, DJ Jones. DJ Jones has an ankle injury. That's something that's uh, that's really plagued him in the past. And um, you know, I thought one of the the big storylines last season was that DJ Jones. Uh, we saw him come out of games. We saw him dealing with uh, a lot of ankle stuff during the year, Dennis. But he powered through that, and he was able to play injured and play at a high level while kind of uh, uh, fending off those injuries. And, and that was a real change for him. He, he was a guy that uh, had trouble finishing seasons, and uh, he was able to do that last year, and he parlayed that into a, a, a nice uh, free agency signing with with the Broncos and my bet is that if there's a way for him to play he's going to want to play against his old team uh he's a was a great guy in the locker room made a lot of friends on the 49ers um he, he seems like somebody that if it's close he's going to be out there on Sunday night oh yeah and, and it's amazing you, you talk about his ability uh to finish or his ability or his, the record was that he couldn't finish football games and uh, his injuries, and then here comes your contract year, and, and you push through and have your best year as an NFL player, and then, like you said, you cash it in, and that's what the NFL is about. It's about your, you know, being marketable and taking your services wherever and making that making that big money. But yeah, I mean, when you play the team that you've been with for a while, it, it's kind of cool, especially on the on the offensive side with or defensive players. Uh, because you you remember some of those calls, and I'm sure DJ remembers some of those calls. And I I, I know the the interior part of that offensive line is is different, but I'm sure the calls are very similar. So you 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 kind of know kind of which way they're sliding, or or the uh, the rub blocks or the reach blocks. So you kind of know those calls. Uh, those are kind of cool. And K one's the same thing. You you kind of know the cadence. Uh, you know you know, the signs that the receivers are given to the quarterback and you know kind of how the offense wants to attack a secondary. So it's always fun to play, you know, a team that you've practiced with and played against for many years. And, you know, DJ's a guy that can, you know, we saw him become a really good interior defensive lineman. He got his, his first step, got quicker. He was able to penetrate the backfield. And he kind of held down that middle. And that's why, you know, he went on to that free agency market and made that good money. And, you know, it's going to be, you know, some good matchups. You know, we talk about, you know, you were talking about Gregory. You know, let's not forget about Bradley Chubb. I mean, he's a guy that can really get after the quarterback. So, you know, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be matchups up and down the line of scrimmage. But if this defense can play the way they've played the last two weeks, minus that second half of Chicago, uh, you know, this team can come out victorious in, in any football game because this defense is going to set the tone. But they have to play four quarters. And it's kind of cool watching, you know, they, at, at least his front four play. I, I, I love watching Ken Law. I think Ken Law's getting better. Uh, like I said, the line of scrimmage has to be one. And watching Aaron Banks. I mean, we're not talking about Aaron Banks. Aaron Banks, had, I think, had a fantastic game. I haven't seen the entire tape of the game, the end zone cut, but he had some nice blocks. He was He was – Pass protected really well, and that last Jimmy Garoppolo touchdown, he just caved in Puda yeah. Ford. So yeah. he is he. I mean, he is quietly becoming very good there, and that was the big question mark. So the game is going to be won and lost on line of scrimmage, like always. Aaron Banks, according to Pro Football Focus, was the 49ers' highest graded offensive player in Week Two. Wow. And if you look at the rankings for guards, their grades, Banks, I believe, is. I think I want to say number two or number three, and Spencer Burford is number seven or flipped around the other way. Either way, the Fort Anners 
two young guards are both ranked in the top seven of all NFL guards through two games. Now, I'm not saying that that's going to last, that probably it's going to be get tougher as this season goes along, right? They did, uh, you know, play two teams who uh, against whom I thought the interior line played well. Uh, and that game against Chicago, you know, people didn't realize they played well because it was so wet and it was a overall bad performance in the 49ers. But I'll tell you what, the interior line hasn't been – a weakness and that's the main takeaway everybody was afraid it was going to be a disaster and here you are sitting entering week three with both of your young guards including the rookie Burford ranked in the top seven of of O-line grades so that that's that's got to be just something that's sending Kyle Shanahan into a lot of optimism right now because I will say that I think the four honors will go as far as their pass protection takes them and um, you know for for multiple reasons right you keep Jimmy Garoppolo healthy uh, that's incumbent. A lot of it is incumbent on the pass protection, and two, um, I, I think we've seen if if any competent quarterback in the league, if he's got time to throw with the weapons that the 49ers have, you can do a lot of good stuff. But you know, Dennis, you mentioned the defensive line. I think we need to talk more about Kevin Givens. Three tackles for loss last week, and I just got done watching the the end zone angle of the Seattle game. I think it's just so important for this defense to get plus contributions from its tackles in the run game. Otherwise, they, they just get gashed up the middle, right, with the wide nine that they run. And over the past few years, whenever opposing offenses have tried to double-team the 49ers' defensive tackles, it, it's generally worked. That's why that's been the weakness of the 49ers' defense, that the, the tackles haven't really – if that their name's not DJ Jones, hadn't been beating those double-teams. And – Kevin Givens has been holding his own against these double teams, and he's letting those linebackers flow behind him. And listen, the 49ers are giving up 2.6 yards per carry. That's number one in the NFL run defense. And I think Kevin Givens is a huge, huge part of that effort. You talk to any linebacker. We had Navarro Bowman on uh, uh, KMBR before the game. And the first thing he said, you know, when the question was posed to him, why were you so success, successful? Why were you such a dominating linebacker, you and Patrick Willis? He said it was my defensive front. And, and, and that's what it's about. I mean, the ability to absorb, it sounds kind of crazy, but to absorb two NFL football players, offensive linemen, and allow your linebackers to flow, get into the hole, and make tackles in the backfield or at the line of scrimmage is huge. And, and to find a guy, and, you know, Javon, Javon Kinlaw's a guy, I mean, he'll – He'll take on a double team. He plays kind of high. His pat level still needs to be low. But a guy like Kevin Givens, he's able to get low enough where he can kind of absorb. He can hold those two offensive linemen, guard, tackle, uh, or uh, guard in a center so they don't get to the next level. And that is huge. And, and linebackers love their front guys. I mean, I played with Dana and B.Y., and I used to be an inside guy. Matt Millen used to love me because I could take on a double team. And that and that is that is huge. And and with these linebackers you've got, I mean, these are the best linebackers, you know, in the NFL, I think. They're quick, they're fast, they're extinct, and they can find the football. So, you know, having someone up front there to absorb two human beings, that's huge. Have you, uh, has Hassan Ridgeway caught your eye in, in these uh, first two games, Dennis? Not so much. You know, I, I spend my time, and I, I got to stop. I got, I got a little crush on Javon Kinlaw. I spend my time, I spend my time looking at him because I'm, I'm, I'm just in awe with the size of him and the strength. I just wish he would play a little bit lower. 
And then, you know, I, I'm always looking at Eric Armstead because he surprises me sometimes. I mean, he, you know, he plays kind of tall, but he's able to dip his hip and he's also able to get a quick arm over to beat some of these uh, these guards. So, yeah, I, I kind of kind of love and fair with, with Javon Kinlaw because I do think he's going to be a very good player. I just think he needs to work on his technique a little he's, bit. He's well, does he moving. need to become? Does uh, Javon need to become more like Eric? Um, as far as you know, he's got these long legs. You're never going to be able to really get underneath the the guard or the center across from you. Uh, but you're right. I mean, Eric does seem to somehow get his body down low enough to to get that leverage. Yeah. I mean, it seems yeah, like it's yeah. a good a good model for him to have. Yeah, and you know, if if, if you're tall like that, and you know. Uh, DeForest was the same way, but he was able, once you get kind of that penetration or get that arm on the shoulder pad, to kind of that quick arm over. And then you'll see Eric Armstead drop himself a little bit. I mean, geez, when you're 6'9", it's hard to get underneath some of these guards. But you have to play on an edge and you have to play low. Your pad level has to be low. And I think Javon gives up a lot of his chest. And that's what offensive linemen want. You know, your shoulder pads are basically a handle uh, for an offensive lineman. So he gives up a lot of his chest because he's playing his pad level so high. So I think if he, you know, if he, you know, if he watch some film on DeForest, watch some film on Eric Armstead, these guys, once they get past a guard or they're able to get that quick arm over, you'll see their pad level drop. And then, you know, the hips and then the, and then the leverage comes into play. But right now, I mean, again, I think Javon's going to be a good player. He's just got to get his pad level down. What do you think of his two swim moves week one against Chicago to open the game? Yeah. First, he yeah, beat that, the right first guard. one. Yeah, both of them, huh? And that's what it's about. I mean, it's it's that quickness. I mean, if you're going to – you got you got these long arms, and you, and you can put some quickness behind it, and you can get right hand placement. That first play – against Chicago. I mean, I was jumping up and down. I was like, here we go. This is going to be it. Because that was, that was, that reminded me of an old Charles Haley move where you just take that quick step and boom, you're gone. Like two yards off the line of scrimmage, you're in the backfield. An offensive lineman is like, oh, whoa. Because Javon has kind of established that he's going to be a bull rusher. So what happens? These guards short set him. You know, they try to get their feet planted and, you know, take on this bull rush from this massive man now if you can work on some quickness uh you got it going i mean as offensive lineman is short set and he's sitting he's squatting he's waiting to to kind of absorb you and you boom you hit him with that arm over i mean that is that that is when you take your game to the next level so that's how i know i mean this cat's getting better you know and again it's just reps with him i mean he's been you know injury bugs kind of hit him it's just reps with him so you know, each game, guys, I am I am just staring at him. I am I and I love when they do a replay. And even if most of the time it's Nick Bosa, but I'm always looking at Javon Kinlaw seeing what he's doing. Yeah. I mean he, he is fun to watch just because the, the sheer size and strength is there. And then I thought that we saw that explosion and some pass rushing refinement on the swim moves that you were just talking about. So uh, it's going to be fun to, to track him moving forward. You know, I think people need to realize this guy was playing on a torn ACL last year. They they didn't realize it at the start of the year, but it was kind of a lingering after effect of the serious injury that he suffered to his knee in Dallas the year prior. It never fully healed up, so that ACL was still damaged. And then they figured it out. They were like, oh, God, like we got to do ACL repair surgery. That, that's what shut Javon Kinlaw down in 2021. So this is the first time in a really long time that he, he's felt 
fully healthy and and he's happy he's light on his feet he's he's lost some weight too so um it, it, it's going to be an interesting story to see this progress but i think you know just zooming out uh we only have two games of data but i don't think you know at this point there's anything to suggest that we were premature in our evaluation of the defense this this training camp we we were looking at this defense just overwhelming the offensive line, picking off a lot of passes, and we said, "Oh boy, th- this defense might be the, on on paper the most talented that the 49ers have had because the back end is fueling the pass rush just as much as the pass rush is fueling the back end right now with Charvarius Ward there." But Matt, one guy I want to talk about, and here let me mention this too: the 49ers have two of the five highest graded safeties in the league in Talano Hufanga and Deshaun Gibson right now. But the one guy I really want to talk about is Emmanuel Mosley. The way that he played DK Metcalf this week was impressive, and I'm talking mainly about that slant pattern early in the game. I thought it absolutely set a tone. Mosley just manned up against DK Metcalf. And if you go back and watch the tape and put it on slow motion, he is breaking on DK before DK breaks on the slant. And I asked Emmanuel about it today, and he said, it's all film study. He knew that Seattle was going to run that slant in that spot, and he's running the route for DK Metcalf. And this is the 49ers' second cornerback, mind you. And, you know, they still have Jason Verrett maybe in the bullpen. Uh, this secondary, this this is depth and skill that the 49ers just have not had in the Shanahan era. Yeah, and Jason Verrett told me today he's coming back after a week four uh, I don't know whether that's just, uh, you know, a player being uh, overly optimistic or not. But, I mean, if that's the case, then, um, you know, th- th- this team's going to be even more loaded at that position. Um, and I'm glad that Emmanuel Mosley is, uh, is had a good game. Uh, I thought really one of the underplayed storylines from last year was, was how well he did and, and the strides that he made. And I know that his season was broken up by... Injuries, but he was starting to play like a, a stronger guy, a more confident guy. I think um, he's somebody that's uh, certainly been in, in the weight room um, and uh, just feels more confident, um, you know, playing more physically. And uh, I thought it was a real shame, and uh, I'm, I'm sure I'm, I'm speaking to the choir when, uh, when I'm talking to Dennis about this, but uh, if Emmanuel Mosley arrived too early on that play that led to that uh, that interception that was uh, that was called a pass interference it was it was a fraction of a second too early the the, the officials seemed very eager to call that um, and I wish that they would allow guys like Mosley who's outweighed by, by you know X amount of pounds by DK Metcalf to sort of um, kind of get into that that physical battle and that's what football is it's uh, man versus man and um, it used to be that way when I was growing up, and now they just don't give these these uh, cornerbacks any sort of leeway, uh, any ability to kind of um, you know uh, joust with the, with the hands and anything like that. So um, I, I thought that was a shame. But to David's point, it did sort of highlight that um, this guy can play with the big boys and he can play physically. And uh, I think that's going to make him very attractive in the free agency market next year. Um, and if he continues to play like this, I think it's probably pricing him out of the 49ers range. Yeah, uh, and I'll tell you guys kind of kind of a funny story. I, I had the, the um, opportunity and the privilege to watch that Seattle game with Eric Wright. And that one play 
almost made Eric Wright <laughs> jump out the window. Uh, he was so fired up because, you know, he's he's that old school player. He's, yes. a, he's that physical, physical DB. And, you know, E. Wright was about intimidation. And, you know, he's the whole time he was talking about if I played against DK, I'd be in his head. I'd be talking about his mama. I mean, it, it's just it's just great. You know, I don't know anything about secondary play, running backwards, trying to cover people. But, you know, E. Wright was one of those old school guys in that one play. And that was I think that was the only penalty the 49ers had. It was close yeah. to their 12 penalties against Chicago. But, you know, E. Wright was saying exactly what you were saying, that, you know, the old days refs would let you kind of fight a little bit. You know, it was it was that battle. I mean, you're on an island for a reason. I mean, you have to battle on that island and the best man may win. So but I, I think he played that great. I mean, that was a that was that was that was an incredible play, I thought. But it was funny. Seeing, seeing E. Wright just have a fit as he as uh, Bosey got that uh, got that penalty and that, and that and that secondary. I mean, Hufanga. I don't know. I don't, talk about playing with your hair on fire. And you know, the book on him is that he's not very fast. He may not be very fast, but I, I guarantee you, he can find the ball. He's football. His football yeah. speed is incredible because he is all over the football field. It's it, it's crazy. He just plays. You know, he knows where the ball, his instincts are great. He's all over the field. And, you know, I know Jimmy Ward's not back there, the quarterback of that secondary, but these guys have really, I mean, they whatever it was in Chicago, uh, I'm sure Russell Wilson's going to see that see that film too. But whatever that was that got him confused on those busted coverages, they fixed it in practice. The communication has has improved. So, you know, that that's secondary. But that, that front makes it a lot easy because quarterbacks are, you know, third and long. I guarantee you, quarterbacks are always going to be. Where's Nick Bosa? You know, where's Eric Armstead? So, you know, it's you know sticky coverage in the secondary, and they've shown that they can do it. I mean, again, this defense sets the tone. It sets the tone for this whole entire football team. Well, I think based on what we know, those two big breakdowns in Chicago were about as fluky as they get. One was Justin Fields just getting out of the pocket and. Dante Pettis, uh, yeah, I haven't actually heard Dante Pettis's interview, but somebody told me, I think it might have been Greg Papa that told me he, he heard uh, Dante Pettis's comments about that play in the locker room in Chicago, and Pettis actually admitted to, to not being in the right position. And, you know, that's standard football knowledge, too. If you watch uh, broken plays like that, the fire drills like that, the receiver is supposed to cross over to the quarterback side of the field to help out the QB, but Pettis, for some reason, was just standing on the other side of the field, and because of that, the, you know, yes, Hufanga later on said, I should have just stuck with Pettis, I shouldn't have crashed in after Fields, because both Hufanga and Greenlaw went after Fields, but almost by error, Dante Pettis was wide open on that play, so it's really hard to say that that's something that would repeat itself frequently against the 49ers, and then the second one, uh, the Equinemius St. Brown touchdown, that was just standard spider spider two wide banana or spider three wide banana. They 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 uh, they were going to go to the fullback. The play is designed to go to the fullback, and the 49ers read it so aggressively and so well that everybody went after the fullback. And it, Justin Fields, you got to give him credit that he went off of what was supposed to be the read on that play because he did notice that the 49ers crashed too hard. That's one that you might say, okay, if they had Jimmy Ward, maybe Jimmy, you know, being the quarterback of the back end of the defense, might notice that and might make sure that St. Brown is is plastered up there, you know, and, and covered in the end zone. But, you know, both of those plays don't seem like difficult fixes to me. And the 49ers proved that 
Matt against Seattle on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I guess the the big caution is that um, they have had issues with uh, mobile quarterbacks, and what happens when that aggressive defense misses you on on the on the first punch? Um, are are they so kind of uh, so aggressive that they're um, it kind of creates these these big gaps? And and obviously Russell Wilson is somebody that can uh, take advantage of that. So. Um, you know that that's going to be a uh, a storyline going into any game in which they play um, mobile quarterbacks and um, Wilson is is an escape artist. Kyler Murray is an escape artist. Um, yeah, I just I just don't know if there's a real answer. If any defense these days, going back to what we were just talking about with with Dennis and, and Eric Wright, whether the the you know the, the rules of football allow teams to be like the the 85 Bears or the Ronnie Lott era uh, 49ers defenses or the Ravens defense that won in 2000. I, I just don't know if any team is going to be able to get to that level again where they're just dominating week in and week out because of the rules and because these, these some of these quarterbacks, frankly, are are, are so athletic. Um, I, I watched the... Uh, the Ravens Dolphins game. That that game is like a video game, uh, with uh, these quarterbacks breaking out of the pocket and just hurling these balls downfield, or in Lamar Jackson's case, um, you know, uh, keeping the ball and, and getting past the line of scrimmage and scoring a seventy-five yard plus touchdown. But um, I just I just don't know if there's ever going to be a defense that can really pitch shutouts week in and week out. I think the 49ers are the are, are the best of what we're going to see, but um, uh, you know the, the the days of the uh, the just shut down defense I think are are gone. Yeah, and you know especially with the rules that you know protect the quarterback, you know I mean that that was a big reason why you talk about some of these defenses, you shut up you shut down an offense because you you know basically take the head off the snake. I mean you you pound the quarterback and and so the rules are set where the quarterback is protected. Um, but still, I mean, if you look at this 49er defense, I mean, we've talked about it for the last, whatever, 20 minutes. This They, they have the ability. I mean, if they play disciplined football, this, this, this 49ers defense this year can definitely dominate, I believe. I mean, you got it in the front end, you got the linebackers, you got the secondary. And, you know, I'm a little biased, but if you look at each one of those groups, they've got to be top five top two in the NFL. I know it's only week two, but the athletes that they have at those three groups, linebacker, secondary, and defensive line, and the depth to it, I mean, this could be a very special defense. But you got to be disciplined. I mean, you have to play four quarters. We saw what happens in Chicago if you don't play four quarters. And you got to be fundamentally sound. I mean, but you've got the talent on all three levels of this defense to have a dominating defense. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Well, why don't we switch it over to the offensive side of the ball and just talk a little bit about some of the injuries that the 49ers are going to have to overcome. Uh, they lost their top tight end from the top two, from the first two weeks uh, in Tyler Croft as a sprained MCL, but they should actually pick up their best tight end. We're expecting George Kittle to play on Sunday. So, uh, you know, that should be a net positive for the 49ers at that position. But running back, as always, Matt, is... A concern yeah. for the 49ers, but the, the, I mean, this year it does seem that they're doing a good job playing the replenishment game. They brought in Marlon Mack to the practice squad last week, and they just promoted him to the 53, so he'll almost certainly see some run, at least on special teams against the Broncos. But another familiar face, Tevin Coleman, was back in the building. And Coleman, I mean, this is an interesting case. People thought that he was washed in 2020. Injury-fueled year, right? 1.9 yards per carry, didn't get many rushes at all. Then he got picked up up by the Jets and in 2021 that's the LaFleur system right with the Jets Coleman actually had a higher yards per carry 4.2 than he did with the 49ers in the good year in 2019 he was just at 4.0 there so although he didn't make the Jets team this year Coleman's still 29 years old right now he might have a little bit left in the tank based on last season's performance and uh, the 49ers might have to turn to him sooner rather than later maybe not this week I think this week's going to be more about Jordan Mason right Jeff Wilson maybe some Marlon Mack but uh, it's important to keep that room filled up because as we have seen guys get hurt quickly with Ty Davis Price and Elijah Mitchell now both on the shelf. Yeah, you can make the argument, and I think it's a good one, that Tevin Coleman did more with a a worse cast around him last year with the Jets than he did in 2019 with the 49ers. So, yeah, it looks like he's got, you know, he he was part of a big workout group too. At least uh, six running backs worked out for them last week, and, and he obviously stood out among that group. Um, of course, he's got a, a really, really deep background in the Shanahan system going back to uh, Atlanta and then um, obviously last year with the Jets. So he knows how to run in the system. That was a big thing. Uh, and if there's one more injury, he's up. He's, he's in uniform on game days. Uh, but you're right. I think it's going to be Jordan Mason. Uh, as the number two. So you would expect he could get something very close to what Ty Davis Price got. Uh, And I was surprised by how many carries Ty Davis Price got. I thought it would be overwhelmingly a a Jeff Wilson and a Debo Samuel running game. Uh, But I guess when you you run the ball, what was it, 45 times? Um, Everybody's going to share in the wealth there. But uh, they were were very, um, uh, you know, um, eager to give him the ball. Uh, and, and that's not always the case with a, a Shanahan rookie runner. Uh, he's, he's usually reluctant to do that. So uh, I think that was good, and I think they'll, they'll probably do the same thing with Jordan Mason. Um, I thought it was interesting. Uh, one of the Denver writers asked Shanahan today on their conference call, what do you make of all the teams that are, are running a version of, of your offense? And, you know, that's, uh, that's Green Bay, that's the Jets, the Dolphins, of course, the Rams, the, the the Vikings are a little bit similar, and now the Broncos are as well. 
And uh, I think the, the writer was, you know, uh, looking for a quote, like, I'm, I'm really honored or, or something like that. And Shanahan said, I, I don't like it. And, and the reason is, is because defenses are more and more familiar with that style now. It used to be something where uh, they would only have three days of practice against a, a Shanahan zone blocking uh, offense. And now um, it's one of the more common offenses in the league. So they're not, they're not able to kind of catch teams by surprise, and they certainly won't catch the Broncos by surprise, um, given that they practiced against that offense throughout the spring and summer. And given the fact that Kwan Williams and DJ Jones, I'm sure, are providing lots of insight. But um, yeah, Dennis, the, uh, the, the, the run game, uh, if they can get that cranked up as well as they did against the Seahawks, boy, that's a that's a really nice uh, platform for Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, so you guys have to uh, get me updated. Um, Davis Price is out. Yeah, yes. high ankle sprain. Okay, so mu- multiple weeks uh, without him, and and they couldn't put him on IR. It's interesting because this year we're back to the limits on how many players can come off of IR. It's 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 eight players. It's not unlimited like it was in COVID. So uh, norm last year they would have put him on IR, but this year they're just kind of having the ride with him on the roster, so they they don't exceed that limit of eight. But he's on the shelf for now. I just don't understand it. <laughs> Why are the running backs get so beat up in this Kyle Shanahan offense? Is it the one cut downhill? You just taking shots, but it always seems like the running backs are the first group, and they always start off in training camp. You know, we hear a talented room, deep, and then one by one, they just kind of fall off. So I haven't quite understood what is it with these running backs in this system that they get beat up so uh, My theory is that Shanahan is wanting them to perform at A-plus capability in two distinctly different facets of the game. He obviously wants speed for the outside zone, but he also wants physicality to take advantage of the fact that these defenses are, are getting small over time. So Shanahan, uh, you know, that, that's a big reason, I think, why the 49ers try to get bigger backs this year because they, they had, in the past, kind of erred toward the smaller side because they just wanted that burst, but Shanahan was asking him to run physically, so they all kept on getting hurt. Um, so, so they've tried to go a, a bit bigger this year, right, to see if maybe they could, uh, you know, absorb a little bit more of, of those blows. Um, but one of their biggest guys is already hurt in, in Ty Davis-Price now, high ankle sprain. I just think that the nature, you know, with which Kyle Shanahan wants these backs to play the position, both fast and physical, lines itself up for, for injuries. Because if you're, you know, just think about the physics behind it. If you're moving fast... Uh, and you're looking to make contact, well, that contact is, is going to be loud, and that contact can create injuries. So Shanahan, I believe, has just resigned himself to the fact that with that style of football and that kind of injury rate at the position, he's going to have to have numbers, and he's going to have to keep on replenishing the position because injuries are inevitable. Matt, do, do you see it the same way, or do you see another factor in there that, that might be leading to all these running back injuries? Well, I don't know what the answer is. I, I know that the array of injuries has been all over the place. I mean, you know, Jarek McKinnon's ACL. Um, you know, uh, we, we, we know about Elijah Mitchell's long injury history last year. That went that went from everything from knee to shoulder to, to ribs. I mean, those those uh, injuries seem to, um, you know, lend, lend itself to the theory that these guys are, are running really hard. And, um 
um, certainly Elijah Mitchell did. I mean, he's initiating so much contact on his runs. The the Ty Davis Price one, though, Dennis, is is a bit of a mystery. Uh, apparently, it happened early in the game, um, and then the 49ers didn't really realize he had a high ankle sprain until uh, Monday afternoon. Uh, and I, I went back and I watched the game. It's not evident at all. I don't know if, 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 if David could kind of figure out the spot where he did it, but um, he played virtually the whole game with it. Uh, it didn't have a great average, but I thought he ran I heard hard. on the big run, Matt. That's what I heard. But the oh, adrenaline okay. covered it up, uh, so he didn't realize he had it until later. Well, I saw him in the locker room after the game. He was moving around fine. Um, you know, high ankle sprains are, are very odd. Um, you know, uh, and uh, it, I'm sh- obviously this manifested itself uh, almost 24 hours after the game. But uh, like I said, I mean, uh, it's different guys are going down with so many different things. I don't know if you can pin it on one thing at all. You know, the one thing we know that, you know, now with Jimmy Garoppolo starting quarterback, that's what he needs. He, I mean, he needs that good run game. I think Jeff Wilson Jr. did a fantastic job against the Seahawks. And whoever's the next man up at running back, you know, hopefully, you know, you can be able to spell the Jeff Wilson uh, and and continue having a strong run game, you know, two, three, four yards at a pop, because we know Jimmy Garoppolo needs it. That sets up, you know, his 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 play action, and then he can get the ball down the field. But uh, again, I mean, it it just bewilders me how it's just running back after running back after running back. And it makes me wonder, after a while, does that get around the league? Like, you go to the 49ers and you're running back. I mean, you might get – I mean, that that might be it. I mean, you'll be fighting injuries for the entire season. So, um, you know, it, it's interesting. But, you know, running game's important in this in this Kyle Shanahan system. And it will be really important um, come Sunday, Sunday night. And I just, I just think back to that last, that fourth quarter, when I think the offense had the ball something like nine minutes – I mean, and that was just just pounding, just pounding the ball down the field. And, and that's what a defensive lineman, a defensive unit loves. When you can go three and out and your offense has a nice long drive and next thing you look up and the game is over. So, you know, the run game is super important. Didn't Harbaugh call that grind some meat, boys? He would say it's time to grind some meat. Yeah, it's time to grind some meat. He would tell the offense that in that in that fourth quarter whenever you needed a long drive to kind of salt the game away. And 49ers obviously did that. And you know, we could zoom out, look at a full big picture here. That this shows that drive in particular shows the the formula of complementary football, uh, just within the offensive side that the 49ers need to execute. There was a big third down in the rain where they had a pass, and Garoppolo hit Debo Samuel, and it wasn't an easy play in in the rain in those wet conditions. And they picked up the first down. But if they don't pick up that first down, that drive instead of being nine minutes long is like three minutes long. And Seattle probably doesn't win the game, right? But it does a whole bunch of things if you don't pick up that first down. You expose your defense again. There, somebody else can get hurt, right? You you don't know what's going to happen if you don't control that game flow. So it's just the the way that the 49ers just owned the flow against Seattle. I mean, 38 minutes. 20 seconds of possession, 70 plays. The Seahawks only had 47. You only achieve that kind of dominance in the box score if, A, you're executing your run blocks right and you're, you're, you're running hard, but, B, you're also delivering those passes at the key spots to extend those drives. And I thought the 49ers did both. I thought they attained the formula 
the the 49ers formula against the Seahawks. And now as we move forward to the Broncos, who I think are a better team than the Seahawks, I mean, uh, the only reason Denver lost to Seattle is because they fumbled on two consecutive possessions at the one-yard line, which has never happened before in NFL history. Um, This is going to be a challenge for the 49ers. Matt, they have to take the formula that they showed against an inferior team in Seattle, and now they have to apply it to a better opponent on the road in prime time. So um, get your popcorn ready because I think it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, and against a team that I think is a little bit embarrassed by how it started the season. I mean, I was uh, I was following the, the tweets and everything from that, that Denver Texans game and from the, the tone of everything, I, I would have thought that the Broncos got blown out. I thought they lost the game. And I realized, oh, they, they actually won it. But, uh, you know, they're under a lot of scrutiny right now in Denver like I said uh, earlier, n- new coach, uh, things were not getting in on time. So they're, they're out to prove something. And, uh, you know, to prove it on in national television um, is, uh, is what, they're, what they're after. So that's the question. I mean, are, are they going to have their sort of bounce back game at the 49ers expense? Or are the 49ers dominant enough to, to keep a team that's, uh, you know, as mentally sharp as they can be? Um, down. So, I mean, I, I feel like, you know, we talked about DJ Jones quite a bit. He, he's a key. I, I'm going to be eager to see whether he practices on, on Thursday and Friday because uh, if, there, if there's no DJ Jones there, uh, boy, I, I really like the 49ers' chances a lot better than if he is in the lineup. Yeah, and, you know, again, new coach, new uh, starting quarterback, all that stuff. I mean, yeah, preseason. I don't know how much these guys played in the preseason, but you got to understand it's still Russell Wilson, and you know he is one of the best quarterbacks in the National Football League. And guaranteed, after last week, you know, I heard he, I heard they were even getting booed last week in their own stadium. You know, there's a lot of pride being a being an NFL football player. A lot of a lot of pride playing in front of your fans. So whatever it is, you know, I wouldn't put it past Russell Wilson to have these guys fired up. I mean, you just, you know, don't forget, you know, his coach used to be Pete Carroll. So he knows how to get people fired up, how to get people motivated. So, you know, this is going to be a challenge. There's a lot of good matchups. Trent Brown and 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 Bradley Chubb. I mean, that's going to be a huge matchup. So there's a lot of, lot, of, lot of on the field, but a lot of off the field stuff, too. Jimmy Garoppolo comes back. Can he keep that magic? I mean, I know guys love him in the locker room. I mean, can he go out and be that Jimmy Garoppolo that took you to the Super Bowl? So there's a, there's a lot of great stories in this football game, and it's prime time. And we know Jimmy Garoppolo plays well in prime time. So I'm looking forward to it um, come Sunday night football. This is going to be cool. All right, Dennis, you could you could abstain if you want to. I know you gave a prediction last week. I think it was correct. I believe we all picked the 49ers to win, right? We did. We did. Okay. So 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 uh, feel free to, to sit it out, but we're gonna go through predictions oh, yeah. again. I'll I'll play I'll play along. All right, I'll All play right. Along. here we go. So 49ers right. Broncos, uh, week three predictions. I I think the 49ers are gonna go in there and win one twenty eight. Uh, no, no, lower score than that. Hold on, it's gonna be good weather in Denver. I think the 49ers will win this uh, twenty one to twenty. What do you guys think? Ooh, wow, that's close. Yeah, it's gonna be a that it's gonna be a really barn burner. Close. Denver's gonna miss a sixty four yard field goal at the end. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, I think this is a pride game for Russell Wilson, uh, and I think he's gonna be good in this game. 
Um, I think the 49ers are going to be a little bit better, but I think it's going to be high scoring. I, I'm going to go with um, 30 to 27 Ooh. 49ers. Man, Jimmy Garoppolo winning in a shootout against Russell Wilson. There you go. How about there that? There you go. That, that would be awesome. And, you know, I, I agree with you. I think this is a pride game for, 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 for Russell Wilson. I think... You know, it's going to be a high-scoring game, but I, I do think this defense shows up shows up again. They're going on the road, and you know we haven't talked talked about you know the you know the Mile High Stadium. You know, maybe some of these young guys who haven't been there yet. I mean, when I first went there, I thought I was I thought I was suffocating, but uh, I do think it's going to be a high high-scoring game. I think the defense shows up. I think my man Javon Kinlaw gets a sack and a half. That's nice. my goal. My bold prediction, sack and a half. But I do think the 49ers win, but I think it's going to be 34-17. Whoa. 30. Yeah, that's you, where I'm You know, uh, that was the score of the Monday Night Football game that the 49ers beat the Broncos in, in, I believe, 1998. So it was right after your career ended, Dennis. The Broncos ended up winning the Super Bowl that year. The four, but that that game was famous because Jerry Rice had torn his ACL in week one of that season. And, I mean, this is still legendary. He came back that season. He tore his ACL. He came back later that season, made his return on Monday Night Football against the Denver Broncos, scored a touchdown, but unfortunately he cracked his patella on the touchdown. So he was done for the season. And he talked to Steve Mariucci, Steve Young, anybody on that 49ers team, definitely if you talk to Jerry Rice, they'll tell you we would have beaten the Packers and won the Super Bowl that year had Jerry Rice not gotten re-injured. Uh, it was Jerry Rice was like the missing piece against Green Bay. And then Green Bay ended up making uh, the Super Bowl and Denver beat them. That, that was the John Elway first ring for, for the Denver Broncos that year. But the 49ers beat that Broncos team, coached by Mike Shanahan, 34-17 to 17 on Monday Night Football. So, Dennis, I see what you did there. Uh, you, you, you brought back some history. <laughs> yeah, I did it. I did it just like that. brilliant, Dennis. I did it just like that. Awesome. Wow, that's you know what? That's good knowledge. I'm very impressed. I, hey, I, I watched the 49ers closely throughout the 1990s. So that, the 34-17 yeah, to, to remember the score is yeah. uh, is impressive. Yeah. Well, it and it was it was such a statement win because Denver was so good that year with Mike Shanahan, uh, Elway, Ed McCaffrey, Terrell Davis. You know all those guys, and the fact that the 49ers beat them that bad late in the season on Monday Night Football. Uh, lends a lot of credence to the theory that the 49ers would have won the Super Bowl that year had Jerry Rice been healthy. But 49ers fans have been living in pain ever since Dennis won won his ring in January of 1995, right? So, yep. A lot of stories I, I, I like that I love that saying one. that I was the last team that brought a trophy home. Awesome. I'm going to tweet about that. I'm going to say that you picked the same score that uh, – that, that the 49ers beat the Broncos by in 1998. People are going to love it. Just watch. I'll, I'll, I'll send you some of the responses. People are going to be happy about that. Um, anyway, good stuff, guys. This, this was fun. Uh, let's talk again after the game, all right? Uh, for Matt Barrows and Dennis Brown, this is David Lombardi. This has been the Here's the Catch podcast. We'll talk to you after the 49ers play the Broncos. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.